innovation is in our veins. Soon the whole world will know our names. Sharing our knowledge and freedom reign. We here for the people, you know it's our way. Setting foundations is part of the dream. It doesn't matter if you're new to the game. Listen up now, cause we all gon' say, Ugh. Elevate, elevate, elevate. Higher, elevate, elevate, elevate. Higher, we gon' rise up. We all gon' shine. Work through adversity, stay on the grind. Elevate, elevate, this is our time. Elevate, elevate. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, everyone. So great to see all of you one more time. It's your boy, Josh. And Dalton, virtually. Virtually. We got him virtually today. Wow. Shocker. I know. I know. I, I, I miss, I'm out in... I miss my boy. next to you? I'm in Shelburne. I'm calling I it just, in. I should just put your head right here on a monitor. Just like, just floating. Yeah, we're, get, we're getting cardboard cutouts. Yeah, we, we should do that. That would be hilarious. I'm, <laughs> I'm in. There. Count me in. Mac, let's All get right. on that. Okay. Sounds good. I'm All printing right. it now. Let's do it. Just the head. We just need the, the upper half just to put in the chair. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I want to see how much those cost. Let's do it. But today we have the amazing Pia Silva on with us. We're grateful we're going to be pulling her in very soon. And uh, are, are, I'm, I'm feeling excited about this one, guys. Oh, I'm psyched. I think getting into everything and, and her experience and um, you know, just the, the different facets uh, of her business and everything. I'm super stoked. Yeah, I'm pumped. So before any ado, let's, let's pull her in right now. We have an amazing person on, and I'm just, there's a lot to say here. So I'm just going to get my notes up and just read this. Cause it's going to take about five minutes to run through everything this woman has accomplished. We welcome on brand marketer, brand designer, do everything in business and help others to make money. Host of the podcast, show your business who's boss. Author of Badass Your Brand, The Impatient Entrepreneur's Guide to Turning Expertise into Profit, Forbes contributor, has had appearances on MSNBC, hosted her own tech talk entitled When You Bank True Confidence, Anything is Possible, and so much more. Is there anything else you want me to run through there, Pia? That sums it up. That's just great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> too humble. Too humble. <laughs> I appreciate it. We're very grateful to have her on. We have so much we want to get into tonight. And uh, I guess we'll first off, you know, how is the family? How has things been going through covid and uh, everything all good over there? Uh, everything is is just fine. Feel so lucky <laughs> to own the business that I do and have the life that I did. I basically was already living COVID life. <laughs> Fair play. <before. laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah, you know, apartment, office, work. All in one. Yeah, family. I have a toddler. We're not. We weren't going out. <laughs> so it was really not that different. Oh um, man! So I feel very thankful for that. Obviously, very thankful. No, that, yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah. from what I've seen, obviously, the, there's been a, you've had tremendous amounts of success, which is uh, I'm grateful to hear that you were able to pull that all that off, pull all that off. But to kind of warm up our listeners, where did you get your start, and what brought you to where you are today? And like, yeah, let's kind of just that's a nice general like you know, sure. how did you get into this? Um, how did I get into this? Uh. It started on a farm in the Caribbean <laughs> when uh, my then fiance and I were trying to figure out like what life was all about and what we were going to do. Um, and we decided we didn't want to live on a farm in the Caribbean uh, and that we actually wanted to go to Brooklyn and just work for ourselves. And he was a graphic designer and I didn't know anything about design or anything. And I just said, well, I'm sure I can do better at getting clients and managing them than you have been doing thus far because he's an artist and so that's how we started just getting clients on craigslist wow that's super cool that's such a cool start i think 
looking back now compared to where we are now is craigslist still uh like a form or a method you use in in like client acquisition or have you kind of grown from using oh. a classified center is that still <laughs> is that still like a hot source uh no no we moved on from that about two months later um, ah, yeah okay. yeah no that was just the only thing i knew to do right yeah yeah, and it worked. So I think that's that's it, pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, Craigslist is where you go to get like fifty dollars design projects. Um, right. I don't know what I don't know what's going on in Craigslist these days. Right. It's like a step up from Fiverr kind of thing. Ten years. <laughs> there what? No, it was Fiverr. Like this right. was ten, this was ten years ago. I don't think Fiverr existed ten years ago. Yeah, it might not have. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, yeah. And, and so obviously starting with with Craigslist, like how did you end up working your way in terms of uh, getting more quality clients as you went? Um, yeah, it was a process. Um, I went on Craigslist and then I went to, uh, I, I found someone on Craigslist who she invited me to her BNI group. I networked. Uh, I, I thought BNI was the answer to all my prayers. I did that for a good year and a half, very intensively. Um, and, and learned so much about what I didn't want to do in that process. I mean, I do not want to be going to BNI meetings. Um, I've, I've hired coaches, uh, I took some programs. Um, I feel like programs were still new back then. I feel like it was a totally different time <laughs> 10 years ago, like 2011 to 2014. Um, the world is so different now, but uh, yeah, just uh, trial and error, a lot of trial and error to, to get here. And I, I am a very, I take action very quickly. Um, so I, I jumped into a lot of stuff without looking and failed very quickly at a lot of things and then just pivoted quickly. So that is both a, a superpower of mine and probably my Achilles heel because I am so quick to do something and I'm also very quick to bail <laughs> and be like, no, let's do something else. So that could be a positive or a negative. That's, that's really cool. You, one thing I took away from that was you mentioned pivoting and like on the fly, this isn't working, it's failing, let's do something new. To someone who's starting in in this business or any business really, who hasn't been able to develop the ability to say no, this isn't working. I need to because it's a dream. I need to realize it's a business. What's one or two pieces of advice you'd give to someone to realize we need to make money and this isn't going to? Let's do something new. Yeah, you know it really that is the million dollar question. Being an entrepreneur, right? When yeah. do you stick with something and when do you pivot? Um, I think, I think almost anything can work if you give it a fighting chance. You know, I think a lot of people are, are looking at shiny objects and I keep trying to tell the people that I coach, you know, everything looks sexy from the outside when you're not doing it. And then you start and then you realize, oh, I actually have to show up and do this a lot. Like really the key is just consistency. Um, yeah. Yeah, you can't you, phone it in. Yeah, no, and 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 no strat, no marketing strategy, no business strategy is just going to work without you showing up and doing it. So you know, I think that that the the bigger lesson is just whatever you commit your energy and time to is what's going to is what's going to work. And you also have to have a commitment of I'm going to make this work. You know, I'm going to figure out how to how to do this right. I did that with networking. I made networking work for me. Um, I remember, I remember very early on, like a couple months into it, I'm in New York city, right? So, uh, 
there's a lot of people here, but yeah. it's actually a really small world in the networking world. Like if you, especially if you're in BNI, let's say, so I was going to all these events and stuff and I, and I was getting introduced to a lot of people. And I remember at one point very early on a couple, like a bunch of different people introduced me to this woman, Jean Tang. This is my like mythical creature. I've turned Jean Tang into, she's a good friend of mine now. Everyone's like, you have to meet Jean Tang. You have to meet Jean Tang. And finally it was like, who is this Jean Tang? And why does everybody know her? Um, and I was like, I want to be Jean Tang. You know, I want to be that person that everyone is telling you need to meet this person. And so, and I realized the reason Jean Tang was Jean Tang is because she was just showing up to everything. She was at every event. She was at every meeting. That's why everybody knew her. So I did that. And sure enough, you know, six, eight months later, people were saying, it's like five people have told me that I need to meet you, Pia. And I was like, yes, I have achieved Jean Tang status. You got there. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. So it worked yeah. out really well, but that was a hustle to be Jean Tang like that, you know, so yeah. I, I put that commitment into that particular strategy and it worked out really well. But at, at a certain point I was like, this is not what I want to be spending my time doing. I hate this. Um, yeah. So I'm so I'm super anti-networking now. I think it's a short-term strategy, but my point is more, you know, whatever you put your energy into, that's what's going to work for you. So pick something that you're ready to dedicate yourself to and then make it work and know that if you stay committed, anything can work. Almost anything. I, I am. I think that's fantastic I, advice. I am very curious of the anti-networking piece. Yeah, there. me too. That's the first time I've ever personally heard that. Is it just because you've? Oh, I mean, really? Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, like, I mean, you strike me as, from what I've seen online, at least, you strike me as someone who's very outgoing um, and loves to talk to people. I'm curious of why, like you, do you feel like you kind of like exhausted that side of yourself early on? And you're just kind of like, I just want to get down to business these days or what do you think it is? No, don't get me wrong. I mean, I was always like dragging myself to these events and then I'd always be the last person there, you know, like I am talking to people all night long. Um, I get my energy from, from talking to people, but it's a really inefficient marketing strategy. You know, it's like one person at a time. Um, and, and the reason I'm anti-networking as a long-term strategy is because you just have to keep showing up and it's so much energy and it's just very poorly leveraged. So, uh, what I transitioned into, which has been phenomenally, um, much more effective is content creation. You know, you create a, a piece of content once. I mean, I get clients from articles I wrote seven years ago. I mean, that's amazing. You know, I spent an hour doing that and then I'm still getting clients from that. An hour spent at a networking event. I just, you're just not going to get the same kind of results from it. So obviously that only happens after you've put some committed time into that strategy. And that's why I think of networking as like, it's a great first thing to do. It's a great way to practice talking to people and, and just the act of having to explain what you do over and over and over again. That's how you get good at and eloquently explaining what you do. So you, you have to do it, but it's a short-term strategy. And if you're not also dedicating time into doing a long-term strategy, which content marketing is really where it's at, um, you're just going to be stuck networking. And I know people that I networked with 10 years ago, they had been networking for 15 years. They're still networking because they've never invested in doing the, the, um, the longer term strategies. And that just seems exhausting. It does. 
Are you networking, Josh? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, okay, so yes and no. Um, I think uh, you got me good on that one, Pia. What am I thinking here? Um, I've always been high on networking personally. Um, I've yeah, always you like, like it. Yeah, I do like it. I think it's just because I, I, I love talking to people. I love interacting. Mm-hmm. But you do bring up a great point of it being inefficient because you only get to talk to one person at a time versus obviously the content marketing strategy piece of it. Um, and so I think at this point, like you know, even a, kind of starting out my own business, and that's why I, I think this is actually a great transition to my next question is you, you've kind of, you started out uh, with a creative business, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. just really just managing Steve's freelance design work. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. And so what like – what was that like when you, when you first started out? Obviously, you started out with, like, Craigslist and things of that nature. But what was, like, you know, what was the strategy going on from there? Was it networking or was it trying to, like, get creative and expand your, your tentacles and explaining what you do? Because there's so many people that offer creative services. Uh, that's something I'm facing right now is a lot of people offer, you know, design services. How, how did you differentiate yourself from the pack? Very poorly. it was a real struggle uh it took us years to figure out how we were going to differentiate i mean look my you know steve is an artist um he was an art history and fine art you know painter major um he's still an artist i thought that was what made us so special so that's what i was um that's what i was saying for a while we had the art of branding for a while that was like our tagline um, you know, it was okay. Uh, it, it wasn't, we had no niche, we had no real message. And, um, so, so we were relied on, and this is why the networking, you have to keep networking. We just relied on being in front of people and my charm. I mean, that's really what it was. It was like, you like me, right? Like we do this thing. Maybe, you know, someone who needs a website, maybe, you know, someone who needs a logo. And that's how we got our business for the first few years. Um, what I know now, and it's not easy to do, so it's very easy to say, but it's it's a, it's a whole different thing to actually commit to this and do this. What I know now is that being super specific about who you work with, having a really clear niche, having a really clear process, like being super, for me, I really like being super transparent about my pricing, um, having lots of content, all of those things. It's just a totally different world when you're running a business because people are seeing you as an authority on a specific niche and coming to you for that thing. So the, the power dynamics are totally different. Um, but, you know, you, you don't start out like that and you can't really even, you can't fake it. Like you can't just pick a niche out of thin air. Um, it's going to be really hard. You just have to have some experience and, and figure it out as, as you go. Um, but that's why I, I mentioned like, I'm very quick to action and I go like really intensely in whatever I'm doing. So I think I got there faster than maybe some people, because once I said networking, it was like, well, then I was waking up at five o'clock every day and I was going to every event that I could. And I was going to coffee all day long. And I, you know, it was like, I was not stopping. Cause I was like, I have to figure out how to make money. Um, we made, we made decent money pretty early on. I remember three or four months into this, we had our first $10,000 month and that sounds really exciting, but it's like, yeah, but I was hustling seven days a week. I was at every event. We were probably charging, you know, you can make a hundred thousand dollars charging $40 an hour. It's really not that hard to make a hundred thousand dollars when you're not charging a lot of money, but you're working all the time. So I'm just showing you like the hustle is what you do in the beginning. And then you slowly evolve out of out of it um, with these longer term strategies. Was that your question? I forgot. 
<laughs> no, I think that was fantastic. Uh, I I think that was a good answer, and I appreciated the answer absolutely. So it did, yes, answer the question. Okay. <laughs> I can only imagine. What oh, and just yep. sorry Fair to your on. point about loving to talk to people. Yeah. I also love to talk to people, but I would rather talk to my friends, <laughs> like, <laughs> all the people, you know, and like. I would rather talk to people in a in a in a more valuable environment. So I love talking to you guys on this podcast. I like having a podcast. Like I don't want to talk to the the insurance broker in the BNI group that somebody introduced me to and now I spend an hour having coffee with them. Like I used to do that. Yeah. I'm not saying you do that, but I used to do that. I used to have coffee with all these insurance brokers. Like what was I doing? <laughs> it was so horrible. And I think I well, I think the first thing that hits me uh, from everything you've been saying is I, I appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty. I think that's definitely very appreciated oh. for off the top. Um, but secondly, is when it comes to your pricing, you kind of mentioned it early on. Um, like, how do you price now? I know how I price. I have a I have a firm conviction on pricing and creative work, but I'm curious what yours Ooh. is. Yeah, I want to know yours. Okay, so uh, so mine kind of falls in, <laughs> mine falls into the space of, uh, of value based pricing. I I actually refuse to give anyone my an hourly rate, and I will only give a price, because uh, I just think that's only fair. Like it kind of would be lame if you went to a store and the price changed on an uh, on like a pair of boots when you got to the cash versus what you saw on the rack. Uh, so that was always my big thing with people is just like, all right, what am I? What value am I offering you? How, what are you going to receive for my services? And that's kind of how I price. So. Love it. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Um, okay. I totally agree. Um, I price. Um, so I, because I've niched down so much, niched down, <laughs> um, we really just have three packages and everything falls in those three packages. And quite frankly, 90% of our clients fit in the middle package. Um, and we have those prices on our website. Um, and the only other thing that we do, and this is like a big strategy that I recommend to any, any service provider is we start every project with our, what I call a lead product, um, which is our brand shrink. And that has a set price too. So you cannot hire us to do the full project unless you hire us first to do this brand shrink. Um, and that's where I figure out what your project is. And then I tell you which package you can have. Um, so that cuts out all of the proposals, um, completely. So basically I just talk to people and figure out, okay, well, are you a good fit for us? Yes. Okay, great. So then the next step is the brand shrink. Um, this is going to feel a little out of touch, but like the brand shrink is now $5,000. It was not always $5,000, but it's like, that's the first thing you do with us. You do the $5,000 brand shrink. I, I interview you. I tell you what your brand is. And then I tell you, oh, this is all the stuff you need. And then, you know, that's the package that you fit into and we'll do the whole thing for you for that flat price um, in a one to three day intensive. And they already know all of this before we speak. So I'm not, so I've filtered out the people who are like $30,000, like I would never pay that, you know, like they're already very aware of the pricing. Um, So it just cuts out all the BS. I, uh, because I don't fall into the space of either of you in terms of what I do for work as as being uh, in that space. So I'm strictly speaking as a consumer, having everything right on the website before I even have to call you. I do not, I choose not to interact with brands that will not show me a price. Like for example, I'm in a, Josh, what? Don't laugh at me. I'm one, no, I'm I one of those. Look, that's the thing. I was, I was, with looking you. For, I was looking for a property management software the other day because I'm in real estate 
And I looked at three major brands that offer the solution and all of them said, call for pricing, call for pricing, call for pricing. The fourth finally let me buy online with a credit card, showed me the yearly price and I did it. I'm and, so with you. Yeah. And that's, so that's, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, I think it's better for everyone. Because I don't, admittedly, none of us have the time to call and speak to Steven from sales and say, <laughs> you know, how much is blah, blah, blah going to cost for a year? And then we're going to PDF you a contract, print and sign and mail it back. That's, it's, it is, in 2021, I think that is the way is, is all the pricing online. Uh, it's nice to see that, you know, other people are, are doing that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people in services specifically are scared to put their prices on their site because they're scared they're going to scare somebody away before the person has a chance to see how valuable they are and so that they can show them the value first. And then when the price comes up, it'll make more sense. Right. I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, But that's where the content comes in again. Like the content is where you show the value. They have to have that experience of you somehow. Yeah. So you and someone well. who's yeah, go ahead. And someone who's scared of thirty thousand dollars before you tell them is just going to be as scared when you finally tell them. Yeah, you're not going to so, convince someone. Yeah. <laughs> to spend yeah. Dollars. Yeah. Now I'll hire you because you were yeah. charming. <laughs> yeah, you sold me on right. yeah a price that I can't even fathom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to that point, there's actually I find um you know people. A lot of people are hung up on what pricing feels okay to them, but you know, pricing is all relative. So for one person, $30,000 might be like, what is she nuts? Like I'm never paying that. And to another person, if it didn't say 30,000, they wouldn't take me seriously. Right. It just depends on who you're talking to. So if you want to, I find pricing is a great filter and attraction method for the right kind of people. Absolutely. And the reason why I was laughing was because I, I mean, that's actually something I'm, I've, I know is a weakness of mine in my business is like, I've, I haven't been able to figure out a way to actually show my prices online yet because it, for me, it does differentiate based on the project. Um, and so I, that's why I loved what you brought up in terms of your system. I was like, wow, this is, that's got me thinking. That's very interesting. Um, so well, I, who do you work with? So I primarily work with, uh, whether it be startups or even established businesses who are trying to say redesign an online product or an online tool, um, or, uh, essentially that actually, that would be the core is like, you know, any type of digital platform. Um, I actually look in, I do user research for them. I get into kind of what their customer base is and how to best design a product that filters or caters to that group yeah. and makes it easy for them to use. Um, uh, my goal is essentially that my big selling point is like, I will increase your revenue hands down. Like it's going to happen. Like if I don't do that, you can have your money back essentially. Ooh, even better. Mm-hmm. The obnoxious guarantee. I like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm very obnoxious <laughs> if you haven't realized yet. <laughs> I love it. I'm sure that your clients can all fit into a couple of different package prices. Mm. I'm sure of it. That sounds pretty specific. That's very interesting. I, okay. Hmm. When you're doing value-based pricing, look, my $30,000 clients, like some of them are more work than others. You know, they're not all exactly the same. It's value-based pricing. Like it's okay. You know, they're all profitable. Mm. <laughs> so if, you know, if I work like it, what it does is it gives us the freedom to just do whatever we need to do to make the project work. We have such a buffer that it's like, okay, if I spend an extra couple of hours on this, fine. Like I don't, it doesn't matter because I'm getting paid well for this. And 
then I can just focus on doing the best work for the client. And that's where I want to be focused. I don't want to be focused on, you know, how, how much time or, or, oh gosh, this is outside of scopes and I need to charge, you know, I got to charge them for the hour or stuff like get out of here. You know, that stuff is so stressful. Preach it. Um, Preach it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just add more money and then just make it flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to, okay. I'll, I'll, I'm going to ask him, this is more, this is not even for the listeners anymore. This is specifically for me. Okay, um, so is, uh, I, I want to drill down here on your, again, you said you had three packages. Um, yes. so how did you go about trying to price these each, uh, each one based on, yeah. Yeah. How did you go about pricing them? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I started in this method in 2014, um, after doing the whole proposal thing, um, and, and you know, pitching all sorts of projects. Um, and actually at that time we had grown the price that we needed to charge. We had a couple of employees. Um, we had grown it when I was looking at our, you know, income and, and expenses and stuff. It was like, we have to charge 20, $30,000 for these projects. They take us like eight months. We have two employees. Like there's so much, there's just so much work. Right. And they were getting harder and harder to get because we were actually really not, we were competing with other agencies who are much more seasoned than we were. And, you know, we would always make it pretty far because we had some cool edge to us, but we never won the project. So we were in debt, very much struggling. And then we pivoted and um, that's a longer story, but we basically refocused on all of the people that I knew through networking. I said, oh my God, I'm surrounded by people who want to hire us who don't have $30,000. Like business coach actually said, he said, what could, what could they pay? And what could you do for them? I was like, they could pay like $3,000. He said, okay, what would you do for them? I was like, for $3,000, I could give them a day of my time. That would work. And so that's where this all started. Steve and I just started doing these one day projects where we would do like a logo and like a two or three page website on Squarespace for $3,000. And that's when the brand up was born. Um, and then I had a client who I'd been, and I went back to all these clients, I had all these open proposals, none of them were going to close. And I said, Hey, uh, you know, I don't do that anymore, but I could do the same exact project in like two days for $5,000. And they were all like, yes, I will do that. And I said, the only caveat is you kind of just have to go with what we do. Like this isn't an eight month proposal. We're not going to go back and forth. You think we're, we're good at what we do. You just have to trust me. And they were all like, yeah, fine. $5,000. Great. Like that's, <laughs> I'm so excited. And so that's how this all started. So we started at three and 5,000 for our two. We only had two packages at that time. And then over the course of years, we just kept getting better and better at our process and expanding what we added we added value to it. We made the websites full websites. Then I started doing the copy and it got bigger and bigger. And I just kept increasing the price. And at a certain point I was increasing the price a thousand dollars, like every, like I would make a sale and increase the price, make a sale, increase the price. And I just kept doing that. And I just didn't stop. Fair play. Sounds simple, right? Yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Okay. No, I think that's definitely helpful. And that actually like answered my question I was going to ask in terms of like, what was the process like when it came to increasing your prices? Cause I know I've, I've talked to a lot of people who, I mean, and I understand it where people get very uncomfortable with pricing, get very uncomfortable with pricing their, their services because mm -hmm. there's like, Oh, can I deliver? You know, the doubts start seeping and we all feel it's human. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so that was actually going to be my question was like, you know, 
did you doubt ever increasing your prices or do you're just like, no, dang straight. This is what I'm worth. No, no, you know, it's actually, so I like this method. Um, and I recommend it to a lot of people because it's like, you're building your confidence as you go along. Mm. So, you know, after doing five, $3,000 one day brand ups, what we would do is we would over deliver so we would be delivering them more value than they were paying for. And then I would be like, well, I would, you know, that was worth $4,000. Okay. So then I would charge the next person $4,000 and then I would over deliver again. And then I would, you know, so that was how we increased the value. Every client is getting more than they're paying for. And so they're all super ecstatic. So then they're all referring us. Right. And so then we're increasing the price with our confidence. Um, I did it. I did it just a thousand dollars each time for a long time. Once I got to like 15 and 20, I would, I, a couple of times I increased it by 5,000, like on a whim, because at that point I had so much content out there and I was, it's like, look, if, if I can charge 25 instead of 20, you know, I mean, I just don't need as many at those prices. Yeah. So, so absolutely as the prices increased, the number of people that were willing to pay for it went down, but we didn't make less money. We just worked with fewer clients. And so I basically use, I like to use pricing as a tool to get people to do what I want and get my life to be how I want it to be. Right. So like, I kind of just look at it like that. Okay. At $30,000, well then I really don't have to do a few of these a year. So that's where I want to be. It's okay. I'd rather do fewer at that price than a lot more at half the price. I 100% agree with that. Um, like it's like, I'm actually kind of feel like I'm sort of hitting that point now where you kind of, you start getting a lot more calls and a lot more projects coming in. You're just like, I would rather work less and make more, sure. um, you know, it yeah. kind of gets obnoxious after a while because you know, you are only one person and like, that's the issue that I've had personally is yeah creative work is not exactly easily scalable and um and so like you just you can only give out so much before you do burn out um and we love when that happens great um but um um so that was i think that was always like my issue so yeah i think i really appreciate what you said in terms of bringing things down uh, or yeah like working with less people uh, and, mm-hmm. and pushing the prices up uh, is actually a good way to scale a creative business, at least from what I've understood. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's the only way to scale a creative business unless you're going to start bringing in employees and stuff. And that's just a totally different kind of business. And it's great for some people, just not what I really wanted to do. That's So that actually that brings me to a point I was wondering, is you mentioned there at a point you did have employees. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming now, based on what you said, you no longer operate. So it is just, uh, is it just yourself and partner again, operating it? uh, Yeah. And you found that to be a better fit than having a bunch of subcontractors or employees in-house. Yeah. I mean, so my partner is my husband um, and which has its own challenges, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but in terms of work, we're a well-oiled machine, right? Like the two of us have done this many times. And of course, as we've built this business and, um, or as we built this process, we've both taken on a lot of hats, but we've kind of learned as we, as we went. So the, the nice thing about keeping it all in house, and it's not that I recommend everybody do that, right? Cause I had to become a copywriter and a brand strategist 
like yeah. neither and of an accountant. Yeah. yeah. And an account. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I really, I ended up becoming a business strategist. And actually that's like the, the secret sauce is people come to us for branding and then I give them all this business strategy and they're like, that's the best. Like I've never understood branding that way before. And I'm like, well, that's because half of it was business strategy, but that's cool. You know, yeah, that's what you needed. And you took something away. Yeah. You, you yeah. Like, oh, I blew your mind because it, because when you talk to branding people, they don't talk about the business at all. And so yeah. you feel like it's a little woo woo or yeah, not realistic official or yeah. yeah. You don't see it on the bottom line, whereas because I'm the business half of this, of our business, I am always looking at the, you know, I like numbers. Yeah. Um, so, so, but in terms of like profitability, keeping it in house and it just being the two of us and us being this well-oiled machine that keeps it really lean and efficient because there's, there's like no project management, right? I mean, it's just the two of us and we're, you know we're talking about this project before we go to bed. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, you know, it just, it cuts out a lot of the BS that is, you know, you have to learn how to be a manager if you're going to have subcontractors or employees. Yeah. And I just never, I mean, that's a great thing to know how to do. I just, I never worked anywhere. So I've never had employees or any sort of management skills. I'd have to really build those if I was going to build an agency like that. Yeah. That's a cool thing. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's just what I know. So, okay. You've never, so like, what's the size of like your current job right now? Is it just you and a couple people or, or is it just you? It's just me and my husband. You Still. Oh yeah. That's impressive. Um, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I have a VA Mm -hmm. and I have, um, different kinds of companies that I hire so right like I have a podcast I have a podcast producer and their company so Mm. that I can just show up and do the podcast and then they do everything else Um, I have editors who take my content and or like take my brain dumps and like write them into articles that I then finalize you know so I have all kinds of people that do stuff like that but nobody is in-house and nobody's an employee That's really, you, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the, the first part there, your virtual assistant VA. Yes. Um, how, how do you find that to be working with, because it's even something that I've even stumbled across and looked at and I was like, I just never knew is, is it trustworthy? Can you really rely on them? Like, what's that been like? And where do you even go to to source someone like that out? Yeah, uh, she has been with me for years um, and it is, Yes. I could not do anything. I feel like without her, like she manages all kinds of stuff for me that I, I don't even know some of the things she managed because I gave them to her so long ago and I forgot about them. You know, like she just like keeps track of all kinds of my marketing and, you know, she answers people in social media as me, Yeah, (laughs) like, you know, she responds to things. She keeps up on this stuff so that I'm not in Facebook ever like she 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 emails me screenshots of stuff when I need to answer stuff so yeah all kinds of management um and I found her I don't even remember I think she was just in my Facebook group um it was a lucky it was just a lucky she was there I was like oh I need a VA and then I started working with her and she was incredibly reliable there's lots of great places I'm actually looking for a second VA right now um there's like a VA association 
there's all kinds of places you can find VAs, but you really just have to find the per- some a person that really works with your style and that you can rely on. Um, but I highly recommend it. Uh, it's a lot of work at first to offload stuff, but if you take the time up front to offload, you will save yourself just incredible amounts of stress and time in the back end. So yeah, I think you find a VA and then you find stuff for them. That's actually what I'm looking for a second VA type of person for, um, cause my VA can't take on that much more work. I'm looking for somebody to fill a role. I don't even know what I'm going to give her. I'm just going to try to find things for her because that will free me up. Wow. And with that, are they paid annually like a salary or are they billing you like a subcontractor monthly? Or yeah, like per, a subcontractor. Per, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've never had the opportunity to talk to one about VAs. I've seen them on websites and they'll show up on like Fiverr ads and I don't really trust that as far as I can throw it. So um, it's nice to, to hear someone who's had experience with someone talk about it. So that's cool. Yeah, try it. I, I highly recommend. Might have to. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of, I just, kind of a side question too about the uh, the podcast was, so you just kind of like, they kind of set everything up and you just kind of go to them and you kind of record your show and then they just kind of, they take it and produce it. From there yep that's amazing yep wow yeah i mean they'll they'll do they do almost everything for it they create all of the marketing materials they'll book they'll actually do the outreach they'll correspond with the guests um make sure that they know how to use the software and all of that um get the intake so i just have to show up and be you <laughs> have the conversation yeah and it believe it or not that's still like tough right no, for <laughs> so sure. like yeah yeah because I'm really trying to I really cap my work hours at 25 hours a week so that's not a lot of time to find to do all of these things so I will admit I'm perpetually being emailed by them like Pia you really need to do more of these interviews I'm like okay sorry <laughs> <laughs> I gotta show up do it yeah it's like I, I was just yeah I'm I, I was interested in that because obviously as we've kind of been running our podcast now for about six seven months yeah now. and um it's a lot of work it is a lot of work my gosh you know you got cameras <laughs> overheating and crap and it's frustrating <laughs> as heck but um yeah I know it's uh I can definitely see the um value uh we we was hired one our producer ourselves uh, about a month ago who's been doing all that for us and uh oh, very awesome. grateful for congratulations. her congratulations yeah Shout out, Mac. Yeah, thanks. We out here. Oh, <laughs> hi. <laughs> yes, I'm just behind the scenes. You can't see me, but you can hear me. <laughs> you are a lifesaver. I'm trying. I'm trying. That's that's my job title, lifesaver. Get <laughs> <Yeah>. the camera. <laughs> Seriously, big help. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so I want to finish off with this because I'm genuinely curious. I saw you know you, you're a freaking author. What the heck? That's amazing. What does that look like in Thank terms you. of like, okay, so one's I guess is more of a surfacey question. Uh, the other is like just this, the strategy behind it is so when you authored a book, what was the what was the motivation behind that? Was like, I just would love to author a book and get that out to help people, or is it like part of it was like, no, oh, I would love to make money at this too. Um, and if so, like if you wanted to make money, like what does that look like? Uh, do you make any money or you just kind of break even on it? I'm curious. Yeah. So I wanted to write a book for a few reasons. Um, 
felt like a bucket list kind of thing, right? I don't know. I want to write a book. Yeah. Um, that was probably the the least important though. I think the most important was I just wanted people to take me seriously. Um, I wanted people to listen to what I had to say. I wanted people to respect my opinion. Um, and I also wanted to experience what it was like to self-publish a book because a lot of my clients are people who might also write books. So by me going through the process, I can now speak to the entire experience. So I actually got to, you know, just added to my own repertoire of expertise that I can now speak to and advise my clients on. So even though I don't coach people on writing books or do anything that has to do with writing books, I can talk to them about whether a book would be a good strategy for them or not, which is part of what I do help them with. Like what is the business and brand strategy? So, um, so that's, that's why I did it. Um, I wrote it myself, but I did hire editors like professional editors. Um, I did pay to have uh, an audiobook recorded. I mean, I, I did the voice, but I hired a professional audio recorder and like went to their studio and did that. So I invested, you know, thousands of dollars into it. Um, hired a couple of other just people, spent a lot more time on marketing than writing the book. That's That's my number one piece of advice is plan to spend twice as much time on the on the launch and subsequent marketing plan than you do on writing the book um but i have consistently brought in between 500 and a thousand dollars a month from sales since i wrote it in 2017 oh wow so it's not nothing that's awesome it's not why i wrote it but Mm -hmm. it's not nothing and um what's way better is that these days like every client that we get that we do a brand up with has read my book and is like a super fan so when they get on the phone they're like you know the last client I did she's like oh my god like I've read your book a million times and like am I a good fit am I able to like will will you take me as a client I'm like yeah girl (laughs) like you're a perfect fit it's fine um so that's like really that's really where the money is wow so it's almost a referral tool. Uh, it's absolutely a referral It absolutely tool. is, yeah. It's absolutely a referral tool. That's the number one reason you should write a book if you have high-end services is so that you can increase your price. So as soon as I launched, as soon as I published the book, that was the first time I raised my prices, $5,000. Like right when it launched, I was like, mm, this is a good time. Um, yeah, because it's it's just a legitimizer. Yeah. Totally. But, but I did put time into making a book that I was proud of. And I put a lot of effort into that marketing because to me, it was like, I need to get a hundred reviews on Amazon as quickly as possible. To me, you know, it can be the best book in the world. If there's like 12 reviews and it came out two years ago, like, no, that's not going to work. Um, so I did the footwork to really get those reviews. And that was, I thought that was critical because now when you go look at my book, I don't have thousands of reviews, but I have like over 300 reviews. That is a legitimizer. You know, that is something that people see and they don't even have to read the book to see that. So okay, like, what did the marketing process look like for the book? Was it just like, did you go all in on social or do you use other channels or what did that kind of look like? Um, 
I did. So I hired a company to book me on podcasts. So I probably did like 50 podcast interviews in the months, like in the month leading up and then the months after. Um, It's a great reason to be on a podcast, right? Like I just launched a book. So there's kind of a talking point there. And let me talk about the book. Um, So I did that. Uh, I did some social stuff, but honestly, I wasn't really on social media when this happened um, much. So I can't really say the social did anything. Um, I also did a very, uh, actually I did an interview. I was just talking to my friend the other day. She owns the editing company that I hired to edit my book because my friend owns the company, New York book editors. And she interviewed me about like the entire marketing strategy. Um, she just told me yesterday, she's like, that video is getting lots of hits. (laughs) You should, people want to know how you, how you market a self-published book. Um, I can send you that link, but the, um, the other part that I did is I did the legwork. Like I reached out individually and got people to agree to like buy the book right before it came out and then like review it right after. And then I like followed up with those people, you know, like to me, it, it was about that one-on-one connection. You think that you're going to find some magical way to post this stuff. It's like, no, it was like, I was going to everybody I know and be like, please write me a review. <laughs> like as soon as this launches, I want to get to, you know, and I had a very specific goal. I want to get to hundred reviews as quickly as possible. So I think it probably took me a couple months to actually get to hundred, but I had, you know, I had a, a group of people who were on board. And I, I think I also did a, I think I also, I did a free training for anybody who wrote a review. I think I said, if you send me a screenshot, then you can come to this free like training I'm doing. So, you know, all kinds of little things like that to get people involved and on board. Um, it's a lot of work. <laughs> like you can imagine this is not, yeah, this is individuals, but it, I think it paid off. I think it, it was worth every ounce of time and money that I spent on it. I mean, I would say so. Um, because I mean, that's literally how I found out about you was actually through a friend, Charles Benaya. Um, when I was actually just in the midst of a, I know Charles. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, It was, it was through him, um, that I found out about you because he's obviously, he's he's a tremendous friend. He's been a great mentor for me as I've been launching my business. And, uh, when he found out I was going to be launching a creative business, he's like, Pia Silva, Talk to her, get her on the podcast, and she's she reminds me a lot of you in terms of like she has in terms of energy level, wanting to do a lot of things. Um, go talk to her; I'm sure she's gonna have a, a lot of advice. So do it. <laughs> and I was like, "You got it, sir." So awesome. yeah, um, and so I uh, very am grateful that you took the time out to to come on with us uh, after especially yeah. a long day of doing just this and talking <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and providing so much value and, and energy for our listeners. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Charles Panaya. I have known him since 2012. Oh, baby. Wow. Let's yeah, go. yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. like a blast from the past. Hi, Charles. <laughs> Very cool. I'll make sure I'll send Thank that, that so specific much. clip. Yes, like, please bam. do. Thank you so much for having me on. This was really, really fun. Thank you. No problem. And uh, yeah. So thank you so much. Hope you have a great rest of rest. Oh my gosh, rest of your week, and uh, and good luck with what you're doing. And uh, we'll be over here in Canada cheering you on. Awesome. Thanks to you guys too. Thank you. See Appreciate ya. it. See ya. Bye. Well, that was awesome, Dalton. 
we're grateful that she took the time out for us and our amazing Elevate podcast listeners. Absolutely. That was that was a good show. I must say the uh, the experience and the knowledge and there's even stuff that I've taken away that I'm like going to do tomorrow. The mm-hmm. first one is look into VAs. Like that is something I had in my mind this morning. I wanted to look into VAs and this was just like the calling uh, to get someone to actually talk about it. So that was that was awesome. Yeah, that and as well as a self-published book. I was like, okay. That was a big feat. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the in-depth view on how marketing is double the, the process. It's like, that was, that was cool. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you all so much for joining today. However you listen to this, whether you are walking to work. Or uh, on a Zoom call virtually uh, calling it in. Or writing a book. However you listen to this. True. Wherever you are. We love you. We're out.